Well, we are having fun already. Welcome to right. the Bill Bennett Show. Some of the pre-show conversation would probably be interesting. I don't know if we would. Yeah, but uh, we get maybe get in trouble yeah, too. With, yeah, uh, <laughs> people who are to whom close we're related. To us. Yeah, we're related to by marriage. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> well, me. I yeah, would yeah, speak for yourself. You, buddy. you would not. Never have any disagreements at all. <laughs> As the lady said to Mrs. Bennett, I think about our fifth year of marriage about thirty-six years ago. Mm-hmm. And it must be wonderful to be married to the author of the Book of Virtues. I'll bet he's just a model of virtue around the house. I would assume. <laughs> I said, what'd you say, what'd you say? She says, she said, oh, yes, he is. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what? Sorry for all the just stuff that wasn't yeah, virtuous. In general, yeah. The last four years. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> anyway... We'll have a very thoughtful conversation about things that matter because we're going to have John Hinderocker. Right. Who's kind of a commentator at large for us. Uh, he's one of the founders of Powerline, which is a great uh, a great blog. Yeah. Great blog. That's what it is, a blog. Yes. And he's the president of the Center of the American Experiment. I'm going to ask him right off, how's the American Experiment doing right now? <laughs> I would be interested to hear, yeah. hear his uh, and take 20 on. minutes later, we'll stop him. Yeah, yeah right. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right, so let's jump into it. All right, oh, all right the uh, Center for the American Experiment. Uh, John, we like perspective from you. You're a smart guy. How is the American Experiment going these days? Well, Bill, in my opinion, it's nip and tuck. Uh, you know, we're living in a strange world where our so-called elites, almost to a person, Bill. I mean, Glenn Reynolds calls it a monoculture, and it's so true. These crazy ideas that started out uh, in the universities, so I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago, have now migrated. Generally, we call this ideology wokeism. It's the obsession with race, the obsession, the weird obsession, frankly, with with gender in, in, in its various forms, and this 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 uh, kind of perverse egalitarianism, which just demands quotas and everything under the name of equity. And, and, and the universities have been taken over, the press has been taken over, the major corporations, again, I think almost without exception, have gone over to this wokest ideology. And there's many things wrong with wokeism, with wokeism. But one of them is it is viciously anti-American. And so I don't know. I'm hard pressed to think of historical examples where a country's leaders have just in unison decided to hate and despise the country that they're leading. I think we're carrying out an experiment here that that may not end well. Explain why wokeism is anti-American. Well, the whole obsession with with race, Bill, I mean, the fact is that that some ethnic groups, by any measure you want to use, outperform others. The simplest is just you know median income, where you got Asians on top, then you got whites, then you got so-called Hispanics in the U.S., and then you got blacks and, and Native Americans, and that's been true for a long time. And 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 so the wokest doctrine insists that every disparity, so-called, at least the ones you don't like, they don't care about Indians out, out earning whites, for example, about about Indian Americans out earning whites by close to two to one. But any disparity that they don't like uh, uh, is per se attributable to racism, to what they call systemic racism. And systemic systemic means non-existent in this context. Systemic racism. If there's a disparity 
that you you'd otherwise would prefer not to try to explain. You just put it down to systemic racism. And so and so a, a, a fundamental cornerstone of the woke ideology is that America is a systemically racist country and always has been and needs to be torn down and, and built back up brick by brick, a process that, among other things, means doing away with the Constitution. Their logic is terrible, but, but it doesn't often get questioned. Okay, so they say, let's talk about crime. This is another one. They say there are way more blacks per capita being prosecuted, convicted, and imprisoned than whites. And they compare percentages of the population to percentages prosecuted, imprisoned, or uh, you know, convicted or imprisoned. Well, that is, that's a fact. You know, that's a fact. And they say there's no possible explanation for this other than our criminal justice system being systemically racist. No matter, even even in even in cities where the police chief is black, the deputy police chief is black, and seventy percent of the officers are black, doesn't make any difference. That that's the that's the beauty of systemic racism. The facts don't matter. And of course, the the, the real answer to that to that claim is there's a reason why a lot of blacks uh, get arrested. And by the way, a lot of blacks are victimized by crime. Crimes, uh, blacks uh, out outperform, if you will, their share of the population as crime victims, just as much as they do as crime perpetrators. But the reason for this disparity is that American blacks commit a lot of crimes. And, and the police are not out there randomly dragging people off the street. They're responding to 911 calls. They're trying to arrest perpetrators. And disproportionately, perpetrators of serious crime are are black. Now, why that is true and what you want to do about it are questions that we can talk about. But but the left doesn't want to go there. Yeah, well, that's right. I'm not sure we can talk about it. Because if you start to talk about family breakdown, right. uh, absence of fathers, et cetera, you're told, that's you can't do that. Exactly. So you can't have a, a, a serious, rational conversation about this problem, you know, without without violating taboos that the left is trying to to impose on us. And we see this in 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 one policy area after another. You know, the amazing thing to me, uh, again, is how quickly it happened. And we still haven't fully absorbed it. I, I was I was watching the reaction to. The Stanford situation where the judge who was there uh, giving a talk, you know what I'm talking about, Stanford Law School. Yeah, sure. And he was shouted down by the students. He said, well, we need some, you know, administrative intervention here. And uh, the administrative intervention, the form of a equity and whatever dean said, yeah, I'm, I basically she said, I'm with the students. And your, your comments are very harmful, very hurtful. Well, a lot of the commentary on this said, well, wait till these students graduate from law school and get into the real world. They'll have a, they'll have a, talk about woke, they'll have a wake up call coming. No, they won't. Not necessarily. No, they won't. Because they may be able to go into a law firm that holds to exactly the same principles or into a corporation that holds to exactly the same. But but I use that as an example to show how quickly it has happened. We still somehow think there's some real world out there after school, which is not woke. Uh, and it's certainly true in some places. But by and large, wokeism is, has, been, has been very successful. You know, that Stanford case, I think, is 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 truly revealing, Bill. I graduated from law school, as you may remember, in 1974. 
And if, if a judge of the Federal Court of Appeals came to visit your law school, to give a talk, to meet with students, and so forth, he would be treated with great respect, almost like a god. Because, you know, the whole purpose of law school is to train you so that when you become a lawyer, you can make arguments on behalf of your client that will be persuasive to whom? Persuasive to this guy. <laughs> you know, he is like the emblem yeah. of your audience as a yeah. lawyer. And, and and when I was in law school, you, you loved to talk to, to uh, these judges because it was a window into the real world. It was a window into, look, this is my, this is a big part of my audience. You know, I'm learning how to uh, persuasively put a case in front of these people. And, and for that whole idea to have just been lost at Stanford, you know, it's, it's just, it's shocking. Right. But, uh, but you agree with me. I mean, uh, do you, do you agree with me that this, partly demonstrates how quickly this has happened because people still are holding on to the idea of a, of a real world out there, which is somehow different. But that well, real let me world just add this quick comment to, in, to second what you're saying. There right. are new organizations in America more woke than the big law firms. The, the law right. firm that I spent my whole career at has okay. now got about 1,800 lawyers worldwide, and they are completely and totally woke everything is about race everything is about gender if you if you happen to be a homosexual boy you're golden when it comes time to hire because they gotta hit a quota you know for for homosexuals how did this happen so fast how did this happen so fast when it's so anti-american when it's also not true to the experience of so many americans you know, white and black, they interact, they talk, they joke, they, uh, you know, uh, think about a lot of the same things and feel the same way about a lot of the same things. And they get along and race relations, you know, been, had, been, had been improving. I don't think they're improving now. How was it possible for people who were telling lies to persuade a large part of the American public? Or where did this happen? Did this? Am I responsible for this? I was the Secretary of Education. <laughs> well, I, I'll never understand it. I, the only thing I can say, and I'm not sure if it's helpful as part of the answer or not, is there must have been a terrible, terrible vacuum that these really pathetically stupid ideas flowed in to fill. Bill, when you and I were growing up, there was not a vacuum when it came to values. You know, I grew up in a small town in South Dakota. And, and, you know, people went to church. I mean, approximately 100% of the people went to church. The kids all went to Sunday school. Uh, the, the families were, were virtually all two-parent families. Now, occasionally there would be a, a tragedy where somebody would die and you'd have a widow, you know, but it was virtually all two-parent families. The boys mostly were members of Boy Scouts, you know, and they would go hiking and camping. And they would learn basic things and they, and, what, and they would learn about patriotism. And when you would take American history in your junior year of high school, uh, you know, you, you would learn you'd learn a lot of good things. You'd learn the real American history, you know, which is full of progress and and wonderful achievements. And and somewhere along the way, it seems to me, Bill, that that the, the American culture that you and I grew up with and kind of took for granted um, was becoming less and less salient to more and more people. And I think there had to be a void uh, where, where, where religion and family and patriotism and some of these very fundamental values, honesty and fair dealing and so on, 
um, w- w- had gone out of favor and weren't being weren't being taught, you know, weren't being absorbed. The institutions that used to propagate them from one generation to another withered, you know, whether it's the service clubs or the Boy Scouts, the, you know, certainly the public schools. And and so I I, I, I I think we didn't recognize it at the time. But when 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 these poisonous doctrines started to circulate, I think they found it's kind of like an it's like an army that attacks an enemy position and finds that there's no one there. You know, the yeah. soldiers have have retreated during the night, you know, and yeah. they overrun the camp. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that. I think I think there was a void for many, many people that these foolish doctrines very easily rushed in to fill. What caused the void? Why why would they disappear? I, I guess maybe I'm looking for a cause. Some Aristotle would say efficient cause. You know, something that triggered all this. Uh, was it the uh, the the loss of faith in these institutions? The loss of faith generally. Uh, the belief in uh, I don't know expertism or something. The schools. So I get called occasionally to go out on TV because uh, there's some school report from some school in LA or. Loudoun County or Minnesota of some outrageous thing that some teachers done. Gender fluidity, talking about to boys about becoming girls without parents' notification. And so they call me up and I comment on it and I say, well, this is crazy. This has no place in the schools, shouldn't be going on. And then I reflect, you know, is that, am I really doing something worthwhile here? I mean, I, maybe that's just a, this just a kind of a, an erotic, uh, you know, an error. Uh, a rounding error. Is this really general? And then, and then I stop and I think. And now I'm beginning to believe that this stuff isn't just you know one off here and there. It's pretty general. Uh, take my own field, if you will, history, American history, American political philosophy. I have to tell you, John, I think most of the stuff being taught in the middle schools and the high schools is terrible and it's wrong and it's wrong headed. Am I wrong about that? Well, I don't think so. No, I mean, the the, the, the American history is, as it's now being taught in many places is is the history of slavery because nothing important, nothing else that was important yeah. ever happened here. And this insane 1619 project will tell you that uh, that. Um, uh, the reason for the American founding was slavery. You know, the whole idea was to, yeah. which is a complete lie. Hey, I want to go back to Aristotle for a moment, though, Bill. You, you said you were looking for an efficient cause. Maybe what's happening here, you can think of in terms of formal cause, right? Okay. So okay. formal cause is like the life cycle of a plant. You know, why did that plant wither and die? Well, that's the life cycle of a plant. That's what Aristotle called formal cause. And that kind of thinking has often been applied to civilizations. You know, why did the Roman Empire fall? You know, why did uh, why did the Akkadian Empire fall? You know, why why did the Babylonians rise, fall, rise, fall again? Uh, why why did Britain's empire uh, disintegrate after World War II? Uh, they win the war, and the first thing they do is they do is elect a socialist. You know, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and yeah. you know, I mean, one one way of looking at this is that um, a civilization like ours has a life cycle, and unfortunately, we are in the latter Declines. stages uh, of the really? stages of decline in in that civilization. That that for reasons that are really kind of dimly understood, but that do seem to involve a loss of faith uh, in 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 various ways uh, you know maybe we're just in the latter stages of our civilization wow you think we are 
I don't know. You know, Reagan said it's morning in America. And that's really what he was addressing when he would say that, you know, uh, that there was a belief that um, our best days were behind us. We're in a, in a decline. We should we should learn more from other other countries. At that time, it was Japan and Germany. You know, uh, more government is what we need. Um, and it was kind of radical for Reagan to say, no, you know, uh, we're, we're not in decline. We don't need to be in decline. Right? It's morning. It's not it's not sunset. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think I think, you know, we can turn this around. What, 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 another weird aspect to just toss out here, Bill, these woke principles are not are not are not popular. You know, they have they have taken over. It's like the rest of us woke up in the morning and the enemy army had taken the commanding heights all around us. Right. You know, you pull any of these issues, even something, Bill. Here's an example. Uh, racial preferences in education, uh, the race preferences in education, affirmative action. Now, wokeism have been with us for 50 years. Think about that. 50 years. Polling has been done on this for for that long. And votes have been taken, even in California, you know, in California, the people voted. We don't want race discrimination in our schools. You know, they they voted strongly. And and despite the fact that here's a policy that's been with us for a long time, it's never worked, you know, in any practical way. And it's not popular. And and so it'll be interesting to see if the Supreme Court makes the decisions that we expect in the Harvard case in North Carolina case, what the popular reaction is going to be. I think it's going to be positive. But th- that this is another piece of the puzzle, Bill, the fact that it is the elite yeah. that subscribe to these dogmas. And for the most part with Americans, they're not popular. Yeah, if you voted on them, yeah, they'd be all be voted down. Or crime. You know, the whole defund the police, systemic right. racism, right. crime is the right. fault of the right. police. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> ask the people who are being victimized by crime. You know, they want more officers. And, you know, we, we had a vote on that in Minneapolis, you know, a very, very blue city where we had the riots. And yes, yes, yes. And um, and the, and the white well-off liberals voted to defund the police. It was actually on the ballot. Well, the, you know, the, the black working class neighborhoods voted overwhelmingly. No, no. no right. No, we like to keep the police. So, you know, yeah. I, I think you can look at any of these issues, the gender issues. You know, we pulled that here in Minnesota. Should should minors get sex change surgeries? Heck no. Heck no. A large majority of voters say, no, that's crazy. And forget about not even telling them their parents, you know. <laughs> so so this is another weird aspect, Bill, that the elites have subscribed to these doctrines and tried to impose them on the rest of us, and they really represent a rather small minority. Aristotle on causes, material, formal, efficient, final. We talked about the formal. Was I wrong talking about the efficient? No, no, you were right. You were absolutely right. Um, but but I, when you're talking about Aristotle and causation, it just made me think, well, another way of looking at it. Formal, formal uh, cause. In, in yeah. Aristotle's formal cause, and, that, and people have often looked at civilizational decline in those terms, but it's just, it hurts when it applies to your civilization. Is there a backlash? I mean, if these if these ideas are so wrong-headed, so anti-American, I'm trying to cover the territory we've already reviewed, the territory we've already covered, wrong-headed, 
anti-American and unpopular, as you just said, uh, they should be able to be reversed, shouldn't they? You know, Bill, I was expecting a big back backlash in November of 2022. Yeah. I think a lot of us were. Uh, a lot of us thought that that election was going to be a backlash. Turns out the election was a referendum on abortion. And you was know, it? Was it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think in, in big part it was. I think big. it was the wrong it was the wrong backlash. Yeah. But um, do you, but by I, the way, before you finish that thought, do you think that will carry over to 24? Well, I sure hope not. Uh, I, I, th I think it may. I think a lot of it may, though. Mm -hmm. the I think it'll vary from state to state. Um, right. But I think where the, where the Democrats can cause it to carry over, uh, they will. It only matters in four states, John. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Arizona, yeah, right. Georgia, right. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, and I think in my state of Minnesota, I think if they can, they'll haul it out and try to make the next election another uh, another one all about abortion. You know, uh, which is kind of crazy, but it certainly it certainly worked in twenty two. But you talk about backlash. I mean, one one area where we certainly are seeing backlash is from some of the um, feminists and especially lesbians who who are pushing back against the trans agenda. You know. Um, there's a real yes. you know, between the lesbian, you know, the lesbian elements and the trans elements and the feminists who campaigned hard for what is it? Title nine, you know, for women's athletics, um, don't like the idea that all of a sudden, you know, men can come in and compete as women and walk away with the prizes. So I would say that's one area where we clearly are seeing that kind of backlash. I know I'm with Martina Navratilova. Uh, you know, her position is that, you know, guys who decide to be women should not be able to play as women and playing tennis or other sports. And we see this in swimming and so on. I, I just think this is totally nuts. And like a lot of what we're talking about with wokeness, you shouldn't have boys competing in women's events. <clears throat> but, you know, Bill, you can understand why the woke people are so insistent on this. It might seem like kind of a minor point in a way. But 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 if you think about it, you know the logic of someone like Martina Navratilova and the and the others who have who have objected to to men competing in, in women's sports. You know the logic is you there is a difference. There is an objective difference in the real world between a man and a woman, and we can yeah. tell what that difference is. And the woke people, they they may agree deep down inside that it's crazy for a man to go out for women's swimming and and break all the records, but they can't say it because they're committed to the idea that there really isn't a hard line between men and women, and you are what you say you are. You are what you feel that you are. And and if that's true, there's no logical basis for having a hard line between men's athletics and women's athletics. And they're committed to what they're doing. If I was going to be optimistic about this, Bill, I would say this. Uh, wokeism flourishes in the realm of abstraction. Where wokeism runs into trouble is when it actually starts to get implemented and people see what it really means and see what the consequences are. So I think we've seen that in a number of cities where the anti-police ideology that a lot of liberals subscribed to, um, you know, back in 2020, now, now they start to implement it. What happens, uh, you know, suburban moms are getting carjacked at grocery stores and all of a sudden, well, the, the, enough of that nonsense, give us more police. I think, um, um, here's here's another one that we haven't talked about, Bill, but that's also on the list, the whole green thing. You know, that's a key part of the leftist ideology. Well, uh, it's all very well when you're talking about we've got to save the planet by retiring all the coal plants. We've got to build a bunch of windmills and put up solar panels. 
And as long as uh, people's electric bills are just rising by 30, 40 percent, you know, uh, the frog, the frog hasn't boiled yet. <laughs> you know, you're, he's getting warmer, but he hasn't boiled yet. And you don't get the big pushback. Well, when the black when the blackouts begin, and then they have begun, and they're going to get much much worse. Uh, now people are going to say, "Wait a minute, time out. What the heck are we doing? What, what my lights used to go on, and now I flip the switch, they don't go on. This is not acceptable." And and that day is you know it's already hit some parts of the country, and it's it's going to hit the rest of the country, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse. Electric bills are going to skyrocket. So so I think and, you know, reparations, you know, it's all very well to appoint a committee. And that's all anybody's done so far is appoint committees. And the committee says we think, you know, every black resident of San Francisco should get many millions of dollars plus. Uh, oh, and everybody politely applauds. Good idea. Well, OK, now we got to raise the taxes yeah, on right, residents right. of San Francisco to write these checks. No, I'm sorry. There's no way. That can happen. Not going to happen. That, but in regard to the green and in regard to other things, doesn't wokeness require uh, censorship? Uh, it, it seems to me, whether it requires it or not, it seems to lead to it. That is, you know, first of all, in polite society, you're not allowed to say certain things, right? Right. Uh, like, like what you just said. <laughs> I mean, I say a lot not, of things, Bill. That <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, I, you got to uh, watch yourself at cocktail parties or dinners. But I mean, you're not allowed. To, how about this one? You know, and don't hang up on me, John. No matter what you think, I I, I think they're still monkeying with election. The Democrats, by God, I'm pretty sure they are. I've heard enough stories. I can't say that. You know, I'm I'm not even sure I can say that on my on your own uh, podcast. I just said it. Yeah. No, well, I don't man. think there's any. I don't I, look, Bill. I don't think there's any doubt that they monkey with the elections. I mean, you know, in both in both Philadelphia and Detroit, the Democrats literally locked the Republicans yeah. out of the building where they were reviewing the ballots, and the Republicans had to go to court to get an injunction to allow them even into the building where they were still stationed at places where they couldn't see what was happening. Now, I don't think the Democrats did that because they were counting honestly, okay? <laughs> I, All right. But what I tell Bill is, in a, in a way, it, it, it almost helps the other side if we focus too much. Election integrity is a great issue for us because it has overwhelming support. We should talk about election integrity. We should do our best to, to, to bring it about. But the big problem, in my opinion, isn't illegal cheating by the Democrats. The big problem is ballot harvesting. We are playing this game under brand new rules where you don't have an election day, you've got an election season where, yeah. where party activists yeah. can go out and collect ballots from people, help them fill them out in many cases, and, and, and take them to the ballot box. There are way, way more ballots being cast than there used to be. And, and that is mostly not due to cheating. It's mostly due, I believe, to ballot harvesting. And every Republican I talk to says the same thing, which is we have got to stop complaining about ballot harvesting and get out there and harvest ballots. So let's say we go to 2024 and let's say there's legal ballot harvesting on both sides. But let's say that CNN and everybody in that White House newsroom, except for one or two or three people, is taking the party line. I mean, whoa, whoa. What, what happened there, John? Well, the left, has controlled, the left has controlled the press for a long time, Bill. I mean, you know, our website, Powerline, got kind of famous after Rathergate in 2004, you know. Yeah, was a, yeah. Was yeah. A you totally, deserve to be famous. You deserve was, to be famous. It was a totally uh, press-generated lie. 
about about George W. Bush that was intended to throw the election to John Kerry. It was, it yeah. was you know, loud and proud. And uh, um, and and we were among those who uh, unveiled it, who revealed it for what it was. And and it became an exploding cigar, you know, with respect to the John Kerry campaign. But but the press has been doing its best to elect Democrats for, for a long time. In a way, uh, Bill, what's what's a little surprising to me is how ineffective they have been. I mean, you worked for Ronald Reagan. I mean, the press didn't like Reagan any more than they liked uh, George W. Bush and not much more than they liked uh, Donald Trump. You know, the press did everything they could to try to defeat Reagan twice, didn't they? I mean, yeah, yeah and, and and he carried 49 states when he ran for re-election. I, I, I think I'm not saying they don't have any impact. They obviously. Hey, what was the uh, one state he didn't carry? He didn't carry Minnesota in 84. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. So Walter Mondale, this is a trivia question. Yeah, yeah, Walter okay. Mondale lost 49 states in 1984. He later ran for the Senate in Minnesota and lost, and that gives him the distinction of being the only person in American history who has lost all 50 states. Yeah, and you can do a lot worse than Mondale, too, can't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, you have so, in Minnesota. So, so right. yeah, look, I mean, I wish we controlled the press, our side. The world would be a better place. But to me, the, the remarkable you – take, you take things like the origin of COVID, for example, you know, and, and the press and the social media people and the White House and the federal bureaucracies and the powers that be and, and the universities, they did everything they could to suppress any talk about the possibility that, gosh, this seems like something that maybe could have started out at a lab, Right. And, and 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 nevertheless, at a rather early point, uh, I saw polling where I think it was 60 percent of the public said, yeah, I think it probably started in a lab, you know, despite the fact that if you if you said yeah. that on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, you'd be censored and shut down. Um, censorship is is not so easy to pull off. OK, OK, OK. And still. But but hasn't something happened to the press recently? I mean, I know it's always been liberal, but hasn't something more dramatic happened? I mean, they're t- totally ignoring the Hunter Biden story. This is a big story, right? Well, if it was about Hunter Biden, I don't know how big a story it would be, but it's a big story because it's about Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. As, as I like I mean, to say, well, I mean. no one has ever bribed Hunter Biden. <laughs> Hunter Biden, right. yeah. he's not worth a million dollars a year or two anyone. Not that, anybody, it's, no. No, it's Joe that they're bribing. Hunter is just the guy who collects the money for Joe. So, yeah, no, it's a huge story. Um, and, but but and, wouldn't that wouldn't that have been picked up twenty years ago? I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, remember remember when when the Monica Lewinsky story? Uh, which, which was it? Newsweek that had it. You know, some mainstream news source had the Monica Lewinsky story, and they decided not to print it. Uh, they just didn't. They just didn't want to do something that was going to damage Bill Clinton. It was Matt Drudge uh, that that let that story out. Isn't that right? Well, I, I guess so. But the first time I looked at it and saw it, it was the front page above the fold, bold-faced headline in the, want to finish my sentence, Washington Post. Yeah. Well, you know, this is something we could go back and refresh our memories on. I believe that what happened there was that uh, Newsweek or somebody like that sat on it. Yeah. And I think Matt Drudge picked it up and Matt Drudge, you know, put it up there with the rotating red signal back when Matt was a conservative. And and everybody learned about it. 
and and then of course the, you know the conventional media sources had to uh, had to follow. Okay. So okay. my my only my only work. point, Bill, is that have they gotten worse? Yeah, they probably gotten somewhat worse, but I think they've been really bad for a long time. All right. Yeah, but they you know what you just said. Once it was out there, they had to cover it. Well, the Hunter Biden Joe Biden story's been out there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're not covering it. No, no, you're right. You're right. I think that, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and to some extent, I, if you ask them why they're not covering it, I think they would say that that um, the, because Hunter is not that important. You know, they would they would misrepresent it as a story about Hunter. Yeah, Biden. Like you're correct. And, and they would like, say, oh, we've covered it. You know, look at on such and such a day. Uh, we had a story uh, about Hunter on page, you know, a 14. We covered it. No, but this was headlines. In the New York Times, the Washington Post, for a, I'm persisting here for a long time, and it was headlines above the fold. And we, we've got this story, which has been developing and developing and developing. Money to the big guy. Well, who do we think that is? I mean, I just I I think from Clinton to now has been this dramatic drop uh, in press integrity and willingness willingness to cover uh, and to cover fairly. I I don't know. Well, you may you may be right, Bill. I'll just give you a quick local example of that. You know, we do work all the time. Wonderful policy work, as you know. We uncover a lot of data. You know, we do polling. We uh, we, we report on our own polling and so on. And my communications director, who formerly was communications director for the uh, Minnesota Senate Republican Caucus, in that job, he was always trying to get stuff into the newspapers and onto television because that was the only way they had to get messages out. Uh, they didn't really have a communications budget. Well, in my organization, we have a we have a budget to get messages out ourselves, whether it's you know through our website, through our email list, through social media, through radio ads, through billboards. You know, we don't rely on anyone to get our messages out. We we get them out. And so my communications director will sometimes be tearing his hair out. He'll put out a press release on some really interesting information that we have developed that ought to be newsworthy. And the press always ignores it. Ignores it. Yes, sir. And and I say, Bill, give it up. They are on the other side. Yeah. The Minneapolis Star Tribune will not write about this because it reflects poorly on the Democratic Party. You know, it's that simple. You know, don't just, but, just give it yeah, up. Yeah, they're, okay. they're the but, enemy. but what you're saying, but what you said earlier, and I, and I want to cling on to this because you've given me hope, is that word will get out anyway. I think the Hunter Biden thing is another good example that you look at polling on that and the large majority of Americans say, yeah, I think Joe Biden was, uh, you know, doing some dirty dealings with the Chinese. Well, you and I are talking about Aristotle's efficient causes and formal causes, you know, and we're going to wrap up this interview here. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention China and Russia are talking. Yeah. And maybe go to war with us because we are really vulnerable because we have this lackluster, feckless president. Their combined armaments are greater than ours. Um, uh, we have sent a lot of our munitions to Ukraine, whether you know it's a good idea or not. Leave that aside. Uh, I mean, if if I were those guys and hated the United States as much as I think they do, uh, don't wait for America to decline. Just go in there and take them out. Is that crazy? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, well, it's not crazy. It's a scary situation. I mean, uh, you know, it's been reported. Tell me what's wrong with that. Tell me what's oh. wrong with the scenario that's. We're talking about well, World let me, War Let III. me just give you a quick fact that supports it, Bill. It's being reported right now in the British press that if that if Great Britain, because they've sent so many munitions to Ukraine, that if they actually had to fight a war, 
they would run out of ammunition in the first 24 hours. Yeah. So what we're seeing is a group of Western nations, including the U.S., who are ill-prepared for a serious international crisis and and being led by a guy who, if you want to be charitable about it, is, uh, you know, is, is senile. And, you know, is, is it is it possible that the Chinese are going to do something dramatic to take advantage of this or perhaps the Russians? I think it's certainly possible. On the positive side, the Ukraine conflict has exposed the Russians as being a lot weaker militarily than most people thought. Sure. They were. Their army has performed poorly, um, and so they've they've got to be. I, I don't I don't look for the for the Russians to be trying to invade anybody else anytime soon. You know, they they've do got, have a thousand missiles though. Oh yeah, they've got things they can do, but but there are nuclear warheads. Yeah, but there's there are problems with that because we've got we've got nuclear warheads too, and and so do the Brits and so do the French. So so I I think China is actually the country that is more likely to look at oh, our yeah. situation and oh, say, yeah. okay, now's the time. And what's it the time for? Well, you know, invading Taiwan is probably top of that list. Yeah, but look back up a second. Uh, you know, um, before you dismiss Russia, I agree about uh, about the military, but they do have this thousand, you know, nuclear missile warheads which they could launch. You know, uh, you said you know a report out of Great Britain was that they'd run out of ammunition, they'd run out of stuff in twenty four hours. Well, you know, if the Chinese were running out, they could take a thousand missile warheads from Russia. That's not nothing, not at all. Oh, no, it's not. And I mean, you know, a, a real alliance between Russia and China. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm not sure. Yes. We're there. You know, I'm not sure we're there, but it's certainly. No, not, we're not. I'm not sure either. A real alliance between Russia and China would be would be uh, a very bad thing <laughs> for us. For us and for yeah, Western. To what to, to what very degree, bad thing. John, to, to what degree do you think we can count on old differences uh, and frictions and even antagonisms between Russia and China to keep that from occurring? I don't know, Bill. It's it's beyond yeah, my pain. I, I I mean, I, I don't one know the, One of the things I, I believe either. is that the Chinese um, see themselves as being the far of our far stronger um, party than the Russians. Um, I think they have to, in some ways, be pleased at the Russian performance in the Ukraine war. Uh, I think I think that they've got to yeah. be looking at it and saying, well, guess what? We are the land power in Asia. The Russians. I mean, they can't even. They can't even conquer Ukraine. But, you know, everybody's got their own problems, Bill. In, in China, they're dealing with this precipitous yes. population. Yes. Their, yes. their population is in, in the year 2100 is going to be one half what it is now. Yeah, no, I know, and, I know. And, and managing no. that decline, I mean, I would not want to be in their shoes. So I don't no, know. When we're, not, when we're not talking with you, we're talking to Gordon Jay, you know, we, we know. Yeah, you know? yeah. We, yeah. We, we, know, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I, that, that, that gives me some encouragement, but, but, but let's put the two things together. Uh, this is what we should be talking about for an hour. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I should be better prepared on China and Russia and their history. Instead, we're talking about wokeness at Stanford Law School. What the hell? And Stormy Daniels. <laughs> and Stormy Daniels. And we may have an election in which we talk as much about Stormy Daniels as we do about she in China. This is craziness. Yeah, right. it is. I'm, vent I'm venting. I didn't ask you a question. You no, should have absolutely. a presidential election on, first of all, foreign policy, right? Yes, which is what the president actually has control over. You know? That's right. 
but and 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 to some extent, and again, there's a lot more going on here than Donald Trump, God knows. But 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 I mean, I do think that that the point you're making reinforces that we need a Republican presidential nominee who doesn't drag so much baggage behind him all the time that it makes it very easy to talk about irrelevancies instead of talking about the real threats to our country. Yeah, okay. Okay. And and your point is that press doesn't have to invent the baggage. He does the he attaches it to himself. Yeah, they certainly amplify it and so on, but he gives them sure. way too much ammunition. Way too much. All right, John. Uh I can't say I'm encouraged, but at least I think we got we got to the heart of some things, as we always do with you. And I thank you very much. It's upside down, John. Yeah. Well, it is. And I wish I had better answers, Bill. Uh, but uh, we're living through a very strange time. And, and the, my, my parting moment of optimism, though, is when the rubber hits the road and these woke policies actually start getting implemented, People uh, don't like it, and they're not going to like it. And that's when I think we're really going to see the, the pushback. Uh, okay, John. Great to be I'll with take, you, Bill. I'll take heart. Thank you very, very much. Bye-bye. Okay, that just about does it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to tell your family and your friends. Also, share this on your social media pages. Feel free to like me on Facebook, search Bill Bennett, and follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can also email me at BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com.